Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, guys? And Chad. Hey. What's happening? <laughs> that was a weird intro. <laughs> I thought there was more people in the room. I was looking around. Well, there are people listening. That's true. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> you keep this up, they're not going to be. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to keep you listening, start eating and drinking. You know how we're not famous? Like, Joe Rogan will just sip on his coffee, like... Slurp right in the mic. I know. I always back away, way away. Oh, yeah. I would never do that, but that's because... We're not there yet. We're not there yet. (laughs) We'll probably (laughs) never be there. That's right. Um, All right, guys. Well, today we're going to talk about American Gospel 2, Christ Crucified. We finally got to watch the the second one. Yes, It's on Amazon. Yeah. Or I rented it off YouTube, actually. YouTube now rents movies and stuff, too. Wow. Another place to find it, FYI. There you go. Just do a little search. Okay, Chad. Yes. What did you think about American Gospel 2, Christ Crucified? Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, I thought it was really a great um, rebuttal to a lot of um, American Christianity that's highly um, destructive and wrong and and really helpful um, when it comes to just helping educate and giving people a good baseline of what is true versus what's not. Because, I mean, you can speak to this, I'm sure, but I mean, and I can I can relate to this. I, I'm super grateful that the people who discipled me, led me to Christ, were super solid in their biblical foundations and taught me good biblical truth. Yeah. But if I would have came to Christ on my own without that, I mean, I, I could have gravitated all kinds of different directions. There's a lot more to find out there that's wrong. It's it's I think sometimes harder to find solid biblical teaching, foundational. Well, I think um, in churches there's a lot of assumptions that are made about people, mm-hmm. and there's not a good way. I feel like we do a good job of this sure. when it's done. Like we have the tools at our church to to assess where someone is, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of times people just assume where people are. And they don't know where to start, where to fill in the holes. What happened with me was um, I was growing in my faith in college, and then I just up and left for the Navy. Right. And um, I I wasn't strong enough at the time to know how to continue to grow in the Lord on my own. I didn't know how to find a local church. I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know to ask someone to disciple me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had a few significant holes that kind of led me, like holes in my faith that led me astray. So fast forward, um, eight, nine years into the military, my faith was just dried up because I wasn't exercising it at all. I didn't know what to do anymore. Like I wasn't getting anything out of the faith that I was taught. And so I just started searching for more. If I would have known, I would have found a Bible-believing church Mm -hmm. and asked a pastor or one of the older guys in the church to disciple me. I didn't know that was like an option. (laughs) Right. And no one was asking me, you know, so. And unfortunately, mainstream Christianity um, tends to be unbiblical, meaning like the more famous book writers, the more famous 
people yeah. like that, like a Joel Osteen, this Richard Rohr guy, Rob Bell, a lot of these people that the documentary talks about, you know, their books sell a lot more than everybody else's because it is um, what Second Timothy <clears throat> 4 talks about. We're going to talk about that a lot in this, but where it says, um, starting in verse 2, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Repro- reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And we're in that world right now to where, um, and I, I appreciate documentaries like this to help bring us back to center because um, people are definitely looking for teachers that that uh, scratch their, their own itching ears or teach things that that um, help them, where it says accumulate, what they say exactly here? 4-3. Uh, will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And we're definitely in that world right now where people tend to go to church and go to places looking for people to say things that fit God in this box that fits our own needs and our own desires versus looking for God and submitting ourselves to God on the basis of his word. And so, um, so you can find all kinds of, of different pastors, teachers, whatever you want to call it out there that are using Christ's name, but are definitely not teaching the gospel and teaching the word of God. Yeah. And I think it happens to a lot of people, myself included. It's not like I knew the full gospel and was rejecting it. Right. I, I knew the gospel as far as Jesus died for me and now I can go to heaven, Mm -hmm. but then didn't know what to do with that. And so as moving on, trying to grow away out of that, like grow up from that, you know, and mature, I didn't see the point in anything. Now, I I wasn't into like word of faith, Joel Osteen type stuff. I like inherently knew Mm -hmm. that stuff was wrong. Like there's no way the dude has 20,000 people in his church. I would listen to him on like a motivational level, but I never looked at him as like a spiritual guide. Mm -hmm. I was like, he's got to be wrong. But what started itching my ears was this progressiveness. So I wish this documentary would have came out five years ago and I would have seen it because I got really into Rob Bell. There's a podcast that should have been on here, I thought, the the Liturgist podcast, which is this guy named Science Mike. And then this uh, Michael Gunger, who has a band called Gunger. Yeah. And super progressive, like... I don't even think they consider themselves Christians anymore. Right. But one of them like became an atheist and then came back to the faith and he wrote this book. But um, they would just undermine everything in the Bible. And and so what it did for me at at first, I liked it. It was itching my ears. Mm -hmm. And it was was like, okay, I'm learning. I'm growing deeper in my faith. Like I'm learning all these new things. Why did it itch itch your ears so much that that, um, progressive or emergent... Christianity that the that the documentary highlights because it felt like this new piece of information that I I didn't know and mm-hmm. so there was a hope and like okay when I go down this path a little further and become more enlightened I'll I'll be happier right so it had like a Gnostic view like a like an extra hidden knowledge, knowledge a yeah. hidden knowledge which I didn't really it didn't sell itself as that it was just like we've been thinking and after all of this thinking, we've decided this is why you're having trouble 
believing the Bible. Not like you don't understand the Bible because my problem <laughs> was I didn't know the Bible right. well. Like I would have told you I read the Bible, like, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like how much did you read? Did you study the Bible? You know, right. and so it be it was easy because all you had to do was pontificate on these thoughts, and then you felt more spiritual. Yeah, and it was really easy to do that because you didn't need any training. Right, <laughs> you didn't have have to actually know the Bible well. Right, um, so it really puffed up, puffed you up in a way of like making you feel like you were more spiritual than you truly were, in your own yeah pride and sin. I guess it was kind of like a band aid on yeah a, on an amputated arm. Right, so for a, well, it's probably a little better than that. Well, and it's saying things that you want to hear, right? Like. The emergent church talking about, you know, there's no hell and, and things like, like, well, nobody wants to think about hell, right? Yeah. So that feels good to be like, oh, it's okay. Like, there's no actual hell. Well, that's I when I started pumping the brakes when I heard that. Because I'm like, I mean, all these people are believing that, but that just can't be true. Like, that's so yeah. what it ended up doing for me is it took my worldview, which I knew that God was real and the mm-hmm. Bible was real, but I didn't understand it. And then it just like kind of turned that on its head. Mm-hmm. It dumped out everything I thought I knew, but then it gave me nothing else to fill that right. emptiness with. So then I just began spiraling out of control, like mm-hmm. in my mind. I had yeah. no clue what to believe anymore. And it was like the most um, uncomfortable, like, I don't know, year or so of my life. Yeah. Like I was just in turmoil mentally and spiritually because I didn't know, like, being an atheist wouldn't have solved it for me. I mm-hmm. still would have been clueless. Sure. And I felt like I'd already researched mm-hmm. the God of the Bible and come up empty-handed, yeah. even though I just hadn't searched well, mm-hmm. like I hadn't been led or taught. And then I'm in the super spiritual realm and that's not doing it for me. So now I'm like completely undone, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. So, yeah. So then I got into self-help and that <laughs> that helped me for a little while. Sure. Just distract me. Well, just yeah. like <clears throat> all these things have a little bit of truth, right? That are <clears throat> true the way God designed it, but then lead us astray in the way that God didn't intend yeah. to, to make us our own gods. <clears throat> I hate I hate the name progressive, progressive gospel because that implies that it's getting better. Yeah, I would rather call this regressive because it's the oldest trick in the book. It's what Satan did in Genesis 3, to take half-truths of God and twist it in a way that's not true in order to, to get man to do something and to go away from God. What, is, what happens in Genesis 3, right? Um, Satan comes in the form of a serpent, tempts Eve. She says, God tells us not to do that and that we'll die. He says, well, that's not true. You won't die. You'll, you'll have knowledge like God. Right, he twists it and lies, <clears throat> and so what is what happens? So Eve thinks it looks good, and so does Adam. Adam's there the whole time as well, and they they do something selfish, you know, want to be like God for themselves. That's the the original and the sin that sits underneath all of our issues. We want to be like God. We want to be gods for ourselves. That's pride, right? That's the basis of all sin. Is that? desire right there. Why do we make idols for ourselves? Why do we pursue things outside of the Lord? Because we want to want to be in control. We want to be in control. We want to be our own guides. We want to we want to control our own destiny, all that good stuff. This progressive gospel, quote unquote, or I like to call it regressive, is just another way to do that. And the craziest part is how they get there. 
New Age progressive gospel is birthed by man trying to explain God through man's logic and deductive reasoning. They're trying to subjectively describe something that has objective truth. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else in our world will we accept that, right? right. I mean, <clears throat> to give an analogy, you know, to explain what I'm talking about. If scientists are trying to understand, if they discovered elephants for the first time, right? How do we learn about elephants? We study them, we look at what's objectively true about them, and we write that down and we we build this profile to understand their habitat, understand why they have the tusks, why their trunk does what it does. Like we spend a lot of time studying objectively that animal to then understand that animal, mm-hmm. right? We don't come in an elephant subjectively. We don't look at it and say like, man, those are big ears. I bet it flies. I bet those are for the purpose of flight. And they're big. I don't think that that's for these, like, I don't understand it, but I'm going to I'm gonna say this is what that's for. Yeah. And I'm going to make this statement. Well, that's objectively wrong. And once you notice that it can't fly, you wouldn't continue in that theory, yeah. right? But <clears throat> when it comes to God who's given us his objective truth, the scriptures, he came in the form of, of his son, Jesus, and Jesus came as the word became flesh, taught us, showed us. We have everything we need to know to understand God, his character, what he does, why, why he does what he does. There's an authorial intent in all of scripture, meaning like there is a, a meaning and a reason behind this that's universally true. Mm-hmm. It's not subjective, it's objective. That's why we learn how to do biblical hermeneutics, the science of understanding scripture, right? There is a truth. It has objective truth. So for these guys to come about, basically treating it, I think you gave this analogy before we started, like it's a piece of art on the wall that just means to you whatever you want it to mean and you can make up your own definitions and redefine biblical definitions, which they showed how that happened in this documentary, is ludicrous. But so many people follow it because it serves that one purpose. You want to be God. Yeah. So the verse I always go back to is Second Peter 2, 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. And this is the the whole point, even denying the master who bought mm-hmm. them. So the they want to be God, they refuse his lordship. Right. And until they they stop viewing it to be all about them, right. they can't they can't reconcile what the Bible mm-hmm. says about it. But so what they do and, and using your elephant analogy, You've heard the five blind men walking up to an elephant yeah. and they all feel different things. Right. So they're all like because this is what the secularists will say about religion and truth is, mm-hmm. well, we're all, you know, like Christianity is one of those blind men and Buddha is one of those blind men. We're all like feeling the elephant and we're all just like trying to like figure it out. Right. But no one's exactly right and no one's exactly wrong. Right. An elephant does have a big stubby leg. An mm-hmm. elephant does have a floppy ear. But it's also not just a floppy ear. Right. But the problem with that analogy is that they're using that to say, Religion can't know the 
full objective truth. However, it's the analogy is spoken from the point of view of someone who has the objective truth, who can see the full elephant. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like sure. they can't look back and say, right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to say they're five blind men that are feeling an elephant. You wouldn't <laughs> right. know that they were blind. You wouldn't know that it was an elephant. Yeah. So it's being told like they basically throw a, a hole in their own argument. Right. Plus, s- the Bible claims to be objective, to yeah. have the full truth, right? It tells us in Second Timothy 3, six, starting in um, 16, I'm finding here, yeah. All scripture is breathed out by God and pr- profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It it's claiming to be God's word. Like it's it's not it's not a, a unclear picture. It's what we have in scripture. And then on top of that, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes down to earth and lives in front of us to show us mm-hmm. <laughs> fully the word of God. So it's not like, um, it's that argument doesn't make any sense because it would make sense if it's like we have some poetic stuff, some prophecies that are hard to understand and we're all just trying to understand it. But that's not what we have. We have a full Bible word of God from all of history, like showing us exactly who God is. Mm-hmm. It's objective. It's not, it's not something that's unclear to us. Right. You know, but, but when you don't want God to be your Lord, exactly. And God to be God and you to be a servant. Exactly. Then you start having a lot of problems in the Bible. Of course. And you start creating these arguments that mm-hmm. make no sense. And you want it to be subjective so that you don't have to submit to the truth of sin and you need forgiveness for your sin. Yeah. And you need a savior. Or the fact that if you don't submit to Christ as Lord, you will go to hell, and that it, that is true, right? You know what I mean? Um, that there is justice and punishment for sin, and that God is a just God, or God is in control, and you're not. Like all these things that we don't want to hear because it takes away our our ability to be our own gods. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we were created for in the first place. We were created to be image bearers of God, and for Him to be God and us not to be that actually we find freedom in submitting to the Lord, not in our own selves, right? right? That's why these arguments never fully satisfy. Yeah, so the documentary goes, it's about three hours long and it mm-hmm. covers the attributes of God. And it, it, what's cool about it is that it has some, well, it has a, an atheist or a secularist or a humanist. Yeah. I forget, but he's like Bart, self-proclaimed something. Bart Campalo, I think that's how you say his name. He used to, like he grew up in Sunday school. right. <laughs> it's funny his credentials are like I was a Christian for a long time I've kn- I know it all right. I've heard it all it's as if he's like read the Bible 3,000 times and <laughs> right. studied it like I, I had a complete full understanding that's like kind of the like what he builds his campaign on and I didn't like it I yeah. could imagine a better God and so that's why I'm now an atheist which in some ways I, I mean I think it's terrible and I pray for him because that's not going to go well for him but I at least respect him more than some of the other ones because he's not claiming to have a better understanding of God or that we're wrong. He's just saying, he just I, doesn't like it. I understand it and I don't like it. Well, at least you're being honest. Yeah. Right? He, he, the quote I wrote down when I was watching is, he says, if you can imagine a better God, then trade up, which yeah. is completely built off the basis of you create God 
as man, like that we create God. And so if we can imagine a better God, then we should just make a better God. Yeah. Well, that's completely selfish and prideful, and, right? Like the God's not God if you can create him. Well, it's that. an easy thing to say, but I'd right. still be interested in hearing his God that he creates. Oh, and and at the end of the day, then if he creates a better God, then we're also supposed to follow the God you create versus there being an actual God that's objectively true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it's not God at all if we can create it. Right. It's just you. Yeah. It's just a bigger it's just your opinion. ego of you. <laughs> yeah. So, but that is cool. They allow, I don't know, that he, he comes on the show. He's a big part of it. Oh, yeah. There's also a guy named Tony Jones who claims to be a Christian. He wrote a book called Did, Co- Did God Kill Jesus? Um, they show a lot of the Deconstructionist podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the Liturgist podcast was the one I listened to a lot when I was in this yeah. whole realm. And they weren't on it much, but uh, I think they should have been. They probably didn't want to be. I don't know. So it shows a lot of the perspective of what we're combating mm-hmm. today in today's church. Which I had a real hard time with the Deconstructionist podcast. Not just because I disagree with them, but... They're so foolish. They're so like pious in their attitude in like that they are they're pretending to be super intellectual while completely being simple minded and unintellectual. Yeah. <laughs> they're only regurgitating things that like Rob Bell and other people say and then making statements of like I, I don't know exact quotes, but just th- saying things like that's not even in the Bible. And I could, th- when they said that, I could think of like four to five scriptures in my head immediately. So it's obvious you don't even read or study the Bible. So, right. so I, that one just like was almost laughable to me that that's even, that they even are successful as a podcast because it's not even very intellectually good. Well, <laughs> they're scratching people's ears. Right. But it's like one of those things, like if you're going to listen to something, at least, I don't know, at least see if they're have any like <laughs> ability. They to write read. a book. You write a book, you're in. Like anybody <laughs> listen to you write a book. I was astonished that I was listening to them. I was like, man, that's that's like so elementary in its in its uh argument argumentation. Yeah, I don't right? know I don't even know how to like describe it. It was so bad. Like but the way they were acting was like we're asking all these really great questions and we're really insightful. Well it's kinda like when you got a four year old and they like come yeah. and try to play like logic games with you and you're like I don't even know where to start with you, kid. Yeah. First of all, it's you're a great kid. analogy. That's a great analogy. That's exactly how I felt yeah. when they would come on. I was just like, "This is." I don't even know why you're on this documentary, right? <laughs> Other than to show how ridiculous this is, right? So it was cool how the documentary. It wasn't like they weren't just because actually some of the criticism of the documentary people mm-hmm. said it was terrible. I mean, I think overall it got great reviews because mm-hmm. um, it is a great documentary, but. Like one guy said, American gospel is the worst of Bible-beating, fanatical American evangelism. No, evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. A poorly researched propaganda film directed by misguided doctrine cops (laughs) (laughs) that attempt to brainwash its its watchers with a... I don't know. It gets cut off after that. Yeah. So they... um, What was I saying with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was trying to figure out where you're going. But bringing them on to basically saying, I felt like you were trying to go down the path of <laughs> saying that we didn't include, they didn't. Right, the there you go. There you go. It completely, I just got entranced in this review. It was <laughs> right. so good. So now I keep going on your point. Now that you know. Um, 
it wasn't as if they just got a bunch of reformed pastors and said this is and didn't the show truth. the other side of the right argument. they looked two of the guys were actively interviewed it, they weren't just taking clips oh, from yeah, yeah. the deconstructionist podcast were clips that they just pulled but the Compolo and Tony Jones, like they interviewed them on a couch, asked them questions, and let them like share their full philosophy. Right, and it's bogus. Yeah, it's it was definitely a lot of straw man arguments for Which, sure. Which yeah, I mean, it shows you how helpful, like, or how really, if you're biblically sound, it's not a dangerous um, philosophy. Mm-hmm. But when you're immature in your yeah. faith, yeah, because good biblical theology is when. We submit to the Lord, we submit to God, and we seek God on God's terms through trying to understand the Bible and see the big redemptive story through Scripture. Like, that's what we should be doing. We're, we're objectively learning about God based upon the facts about God that we have, not subjectively trying to understand God in the way that we would like to understand God, mm-hmm. which is what happens, and that's how that all that happens is... I like this part. I don't like this part. So let me redefine this part to fit the narrative I want it to fit, right? Yeah. Which is how the the whole yeah the whole Bible should be um, God glorifying. Yeah. But people make it about themselves, right? And then it gets uncomfortable when it's about you. You're like, well, this doesn't really fit with the way I feel. So, and it's kind of crazy too to think like if you believe in an all powerful God, but you try to define him in your own way, it would be saying that I I know better about what God should be than God himself, mm-hmm. which is a super arrogant thought <laughs> or a way to even go about it. But when you're making that presumption, like it doesn't feel arrogant. Like, so when I was going through this, mm-hmm. I didn't know, I like, it was like a, just a natural thought. Mm-hmm. Like I feel left alone spiritually. And so I have to figure this out. Like mm-hmm. I have to create a God that... I can believe in. Mm-hmm. I have to create a God that like jives with the reality that I'm seeing and mm-hmm. what I'm feeling and the thoughts that are in my head. And so it's, it, to me, it's just the best way that man can explain, I don't know. If they were unbiased, I feel like they'd want to explain the God of the Bible. But because we're sinful and we want oh, yeah. to worship ourselves and be gods ourselves, right. then we try to reconcile everything well, to that. Well, if you notice in all that emergent stuff all that progressive gospel, man always comes out the winner, essentially, mm-hmm. like on man's terms. However you want to look at it, you know, the the biggest advocate that seem, seemingly all of them look to is this Richard Rohr guy that is basically universalist and was that one, it was not a pantheism, but it's like a pananism. Panantheism? Antheism, yeah, which... I forgot to look that up. Yeah, look that up real quick. We'll we'll define that here in a second because I, I was can't. looking on their Instagram for that little. Uh... Yeah, but anyway, while you're looking that up, he's essentially the guy behind Oprah, behind Rob Bell, behind like a lot of the big time um, emergent church progressive leaders. He's the guy that they look to. He's kind of the guru, if you will, and I mean he just basically redefines all these types of terms that the Bible defines in a way that fits his narrative. And people follow him for no other reason than they just, I guess, think that he's right. But he doesn't really have any way to support any of his theories. It's just theories that he's made up and that people are following. And and um, 
and essentially speaking that it's true, yeah. um, which is super dangerous. So a couple definitions for you. You got theism, which is there's a God mm-hmm. and then a universe. And the universe comes from God, right? Um, but they're separate. Then you got polytheism, which is you got a universe and many gods, obviously. Then pantheism is universe and God are one. Okay. So Richard Rohr was talking about panentheism, which is big God and then universe inside the God. So they're not separate. Mm. Like the universe is in God, so everything is God. Yeah, which is which is um, very, I think can be very tricky to differentiate between scripture which says you can see if you look at creation you can see god but you can see god's work versus he's basically saying you see like god is in the trees yeah god is in the sunset mm-hmm. and it's very like slippery you could easily miss it but the implications are are pretty dire because it takes but away. It seems simple. Like if you see a piece of artwork and it has like that signature, well, a signature mm-hmm. or the signature style of a, you can see that artist in the, right. so you know who created it. Right. But what he's, he's saying like the way that it is, is basically it's universalism. Like we're all a part of God. Like, and that's where you get that slippery slope. Cause that's how you, you start to make the arguments. There's not really a hell. No one's going to go to hell like God's in all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how he makes those arguments and, and those philosophies. Yeah. And so it's it's really tricky. I mean, it's it's the lack of a better way to say it. I mean, it's it's of Satan. I mean <laughs> I mean, truthfully. It's well it kind of leaves you thinking like, well, what's the point? If this is true, then like right. what's the purpose of our existence? Well what where do they all end up? Will they all end up with Hey, let's just be nice to each other. Let's just be kind. We're basically all going to go to heaven. It's all going to be okay. Yeah, it doesn't do any better job. It doesn't do a good job at all of explaining the realities that we're facing. Right. It basically, I think the if you go back to the root, like it views man as a product of a sinful world rather than a product of sin in him. Mm-hmm. So they believe man can be redeemed by creating a better world. Right. Whereas we know that that's not true. Like mm-hmm. man is is depraved and destined for hell in and of himself. Right. And only the man and the world will be redeemed mm-hmm. through Christ. But it's not like, oh, if we could just have a better society, we'll all be, you know, then yeah. we'll be better people. Yeah. So let's kind of end our recap with what's the big idea? I mean, first and foremost, the reason why all this is super dangerous is because it's not true. And it's going to give people a form of godliness, right? But Morality. Morality. Yeah. But it's going to lack any of the power. That's, you know, Second Timothy 3, right before Second Timothy 4. You've heard us talk about this before. <laughs> on a, yeah. Um, but we read Second um, Timothy 4, uh, 2 through 3 earlier. But here... In, in three, leading up to that, he talks about, but understanding this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pre- pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
and this is where it's a real kicker, verse five, having the appearance of godliness. And that's what all this brings about, an appearance of spirituality, an Mm -hmm. appearance of godliness, but denying his power. Avoid such people. And that's the warning. If it's not true, if it's not biblically true, if it's, if whoever you're listening to, whatever church you're going to, whatever the case may be, if they're denying the true gospel, which is that we are sinful, that we're destined for hell, um, Ephesians 2, that we're all children of wrath like the rest of mankind, like we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Romans um, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Um, that we are all sinful, Romans 3.23, for all is sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, the second part of Romans 6.23, that Christ came to live a perfect, sinless life, that he came to be the way, the truth, and the life. Christ says that. Um, and no one gets to heaven except through him. And he came, lived a perfect, sinless life, fully God, fully man, dies on the cross, defeats sin and death, and he's raised again in resurrection. You know, Romans 10, um, Romans 10, 9 through 10 tells us that if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That we have to understand that, the, that lordship the resurrection that we, we see Christ as Lord, as the Savior, as the Messiah, who came to do all that I just said, die on the cross, pay the penalty, penalty for our sin, and then he was resurrected. The resurrection is such an important part because that's, that is the defeating of sin and death, the resurrection. If he doesn't resurrect, he's not God. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior, right? But if you believe in the resurrection and you see that he is Lord and you submit your life to him on his terms, not yours, you will be saved, right? If anyone preaches a different gospel than that, it's false. And we should avoid such people. Don't go down these paths that speak a truth, quote unquote truth, that makes you feel better or makes it easier, right? That's narrow is a path, <laughs> right, to, to heaven. Broad is the way to hell, right? We see that in scripture. I'll look that up for us because I just thought that off the top of my head right now uh, to give you that scripture reference. But Christ says that. And <clears throat> run from those people. Avoid such people because they may give you a, a sense that you're spiritual, you may feel better about yourself. You may even become a better person because you follow those ways. But it'll, it'll end up, when this life ends, the wages of sin is death, and you will spend an eternity apart from God in hell. And, you, and none of us want that for any of us. Yeah. Right? Because the point of heaven is that's where God's presence is. And God is perfect and holy. We only get into his presence by being made new and made holy. And only Christ's blood can do that. So no matter how good you are on this world's terms, it still ends the same way. Without the the redemption of the blood of Jesus, you spend eternity apart from him in hell. Yeah. Super helpful because that is all very, very true. And that um, is the truth that I lacked. However, it's also easily forgettable. 
Psalm 103 says to um, forget not all of his benefits. And it says in the Psalms a lot to like, remember the things the Lord has done for you. Remember, remember. Uh, Second Peter, it starts off like that. I wrote this so these would be a reminder to you. Like we have to remind ourselves of these things constantly. So a couple of reasons I see for people going down this path one, they just refuse the Lordship of Christ. They mm-hmm. don't want to be, and they may not even know to articulate that that's what they're uncomfortable with. So I think it's good to just explicitly ask oneself, like, am I okay with not being my own God and being a servant of the Lord? And, and kind of asking like, what does that look like in my life? Like, what does that mean for me? And see if you're, you're actually okay with that. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of people hold on to that. Yeah, Like so many people. And then maybe the second person that goes down the path is someone that if you gave them like that question, like, hey, will you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And this is what it looks like Mm -hmm. to die to yourself, to pick up your cross, uh, to suffer, like to go through trials and to rejoice in them. Mm -hmm. I think they would say yes, but they're never faced with that. Like they haven't studied, they haven't been led. And so they're, they're just kind of spinning. Like they come to know Christ, but then never discipled. So I guess some advice mm-hmm. for that person, like mm-hmm. how do they get plugged in? Like, how do they know what to look for? Like in a church, like what questions should I have asked when I was kind of going down that road? Well, the first thing I would say If you're is, kind of a lone wolf, like maybe you're like me, I was in the military, I was moving all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. Well, what I would say is start reading the Bible for yourself first, because you're going to realize a lot of those things just aren't true that you're hearing out there. And you're going to start to seek someone who's preaching and teaching you what it says, first and foremost. So if you're that lone wolf and you don't have any access, although, you know, I'll, we'll share some resources to look into. But first and foremost, start reading the Bible for yourself. Even if you don't understand everything, you'll start to see the holes in in those false teacher arguments, yeah. right? Because- And look at it as, so this is, I think what I did when I read mm-hmm. the Bible is I read it kind of expecting to find a lie. Mm-hmm. I had no faith in it. Yeah. You know, like- Well, on the other side of it is start with one of the gospels. Just look at Jesus's words first. I mean, it won't take you very long to see that he says a lot against what's out there. Mm -hmm. And if your whole salvation is based on Christ, you should probably know what Christ says about salvation. Yeah. Right. I'll give you that reference from earlier. That's actually Matthew 7, 13 through 14, where he says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And he's talking about himself. You know, he, he calls us to deny ourselves. He calls us to put our, lay our, down our own pride and humbly submit to his lordship. And it's not gonna be something that we in our own sinful flesh want to do, but it is what's gonna free us from our sinful flesh and make us new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, start reading one of the gospels, pick any, any of the four um, and that'll be helpful. But then, uh, you know, there's a lot of great biblical teachers out there. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully we're helpful in that way. Listen to our podcast, The Field Church. Uh, You can hear our sermons weekly. John Piper, any of his books, any of his sermons, DesiringGod.com. Tim Keller, Paul David Tripp, um, Matt Chandler, um, John MacArthur. 
I mean, there's a, a giant list, but any of those that I just mentioned are, are going to have great sermons. Any of the pastors in the documentary. Any of the people in the documentary, yes. Um, seminary professors, pastors there. Uh, there's a lot of sound teachers out there. Um, and as you read your own Bible, you'll be able to tell a difference, especially as you begin to understand your Bible more. You'll be able to tell a difference between those who are speaking false and those who are, are speaking truth. But to give you just a quick um, couple of principles that'll help you is God created us for his glory, not our own. His redemptive story is him coming to redeem us on his terms, not our terms. And um, so anybody who is making Christianity about you, that you're the primary hero in the story or you're the primary beneficiary or you're so special, God died for you, um, beware. Because God created us for his glory. He did die because he loves us, but that's not the primary reason. He restored us back to himself because of his character and his goodness and for his glory and secondarily for our good. Yeah. So anybody who who's making your Christianity all about you, beware, because it's probably not true biblical Christianity. Okay, my final indictment on these people. This is the verse I would have shared with myself 10 mm-hmm. years ago. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's Romans 1, 18 through 23. Men by their unrighteousness suppress the truth Mm -hmm. for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse Mm -hmm. for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it. It's all over. It's all over the it's Bible. So obvious. If you just read it, <laughs> yeah. And that's. I think that's like you know, kind of that final point is. It's not hard to see the holes and all that stuff if you just read and study and try to understand your Bible. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very clear when you read and study your own Bible. It is. And try to understand it on its terms not trying to fit it into what you preconceive is true. Yeah. It, it be, starts to become really clear. But good discipleship, get, become a part of a good church that does teach the Bible, f- be discipled. I mean, all those things are going to help you grow in your faith to protect you against false doctrine. And that's the whole point of pastors, elders, shepherds who are supposed to, our job is to equip you and to protect you against false doctrine and, and show you the truth of God's word. So, I would just say, other than reading your Bible and some of the resources we already said, seek out a good Bible teaching church. Mm-hmm. So, good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope it was helpful. Later. Thanks for listening to the Change Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, but most importantly, we hope it helped. 
And if it did, please share it with a friend or someone you may be discipling. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can reach us via either of those channels if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover. We appreciate your guys' support and would also like to thank the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana for hosting and producing this podcast. If you don't have a home church, then please look it up at thefieldnola.com. We're not currently holding services due to the COVID-19 crisis, but if you go to The Field Church on Facebook, you can see all that we are doing for the members. Daily devotionals, daily praying through the Psalms. We have a live streaming of our services on Sunday morning at 1015, and just a bunch more ways to get connected to a very active church body. So thanks again, guys. Be blessed. Be blessed.